and welcome back to another episode of the Small Talk Podcast with me, your host, Katie Fairman. Now, when I started this podcast, I was quite clear that I didn't really want to do race reviews and topics like that because I didn't want the stress of trying to rush around and get a podcast out within a really tight deadline or whatever. But here we are. I did a post-race Saudi Arabian talk through with Alonso's penalty, and now I'm going to be doing the same to do with the Australian Grand Prix. But it's because throughout the Grand Prix, I made so many notes. I've got them all here on my laptop in front of me because there are a lot of talking points and I kind of wanted to share my views on them, maybe walk through some of the rules and regulations with you guys. As you know, I love to do that kind of stuff and just generally have a bit of a catch up because I haven't recorded a podcast in what feels like forever. It's been a week and a half. But uh, if you haven't listened to my last episode, please go and check it out and give it some love because I was actually really proud of it. It was to do with the F1 exhibition that opened up recently in Madrid and so I flew all the way over to Madrid for you guys and talked through what to expect from the exhibition, some interesting facts and stats and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, I really enjoyed recording that. So if you haven't listened to that already, be sure to go and give it some love and listen to it after this one. Um, But for now, let's get into it because my goodness, there's a lot to discuss. So you know the drill, go and pop that kettle on, get yourself a cup of tea and let's talk about about the 2023 Australian Grand Prix. Right, okay, bestie, you good? You comfortable? You've got your drink? Okay, awesome. Let's start with the first red flag, which was brought out by Alexander Alban. Why do I call him Alexander? I feel like I'm telling him off. Alex Alban in the Williams. And I'm just going to go out and say it, that I think that that first red flag was justified. Not only did you have his car partially on track, we'll just also add, I think Nico Hulkenberg needed a spare change of underwear after that because my goodness, he got close. We had Alex's car partially on the track. We had gravel on the racing line and also something that I don't think was picked up too much, but the actual barrier itself looked damaged. So anytime you've got damage to a barrier, that has has to be repaired and yes you could try and do that over a safety car period but I feel like with those three elements it was just easier to red flag the race. I know that it kind of ruined the anticipation and excitement of what was to come and also you know Russell and Science had also just made stops but generally I think a red flag was the correct decision. I also made a note here to say that maybe it's time to look at fake gravel like we saw in Zamvort last year which is basically normal gravel except there's a resin solution that's put in between them which helps keep it in place a bit more. When we first revisited Zanvor in 2021 that was something that was really common which is especially in support series that cars would go over these gravel traps and it would send gravel onto the racing line and then the sessions would have to be red flagged as the poor marshals got their brooms out and went and swept it up. So for 2022 they introduced these resin gravel traps and that definitely did help with preventing a lot of gravel going onto the track. So maybe that's something that can be introduced into more circuits over the next few seasons or something like that. But at the same time, gravel should have consequences for people like, obviously, we had Charles Leclerc. He got stuck in the gravel at turn three on the first lap. And although it's, you know, not nice for him and ended his race and, you know, we can talk about how his season's going another day. But uh, I do think that it's important that the gravel has repercussions if you end up in it. It shouldn't be the equivalent of going on grass or astroturf or anything like that. If you go in the gravel, you should be beached. With the red flag being brought out, obviously that enabled everybody that hadn't made a pit stop to basically change their tyres and not lose any time. And every single time that this happens, it's always mentioned, well, should this rule be eradicated? Should it be allowed? And 
I still think that it should be. I mean, firstly, it's there for safety precautions. You know, if, for example, a car has gone over that gravel that Albin chucked out and they've sustained a small puncture, they shouldn't have to go through all of these procedures just to ask the FIA if they could change their tyres. I think it's just easier to let people change them um, and change parts of the bodywork. But what I did see suggested online is that perhaps it shouldn't count as your mandatory stop, which I thought was quite an interesting suggestion. So let me know, guys, on social media if you like that idea or what you would like to see changed or if you think it should stay the same. The next big talking point was this race restart that happened and my goodness there was a very sketchy moment towards the back of the pack with lots of cars having to take avoiding action to avoid going up the back of one another and as well as it being super dangerous it wasn't investigated there was never any kind of penalty given but the FIA did state that it was not an at all ideal situation from a safety point of view. They also added in that they consider that part of the problem is the regulation that permits the lead car to set the pace even when the restart is for a standing start and from the pit lane, as opposed to a rolling start. This should perhaps be looked at in the future to see if this is appropriate for a restart of this nature. So at least the FIA were aware of it and they haven't just completely blanked it out of their memory. But yeah, it was slightly confusing because the rules state that the race will be resumed behind the safety car when the green lights are illuminated and the safety car leaves the pit lane. Drivers must follow the safety car no more than 10 lengths apart. But then in the decision document for this it says that the first car in the line behind the safety car may dictate the pace and if necessary fall more than 10 car lengths behind it so you've got two rules there that kind of cancel each other out and contradict each other but anyway that was another part of the race which left a lot of people scratching their heads and not really understanding it um, and then a few other talking points before we get onto the chaos of the last laps we had George Russell getting the lead on the first lap I almost forgot what it was like to see a race where it wasn't a Red Bull car at the front of the pack was kind of like oh yeah this is what competition looks like but no great start from George unfortunate that his race kind of just disintegrated completely what with the unfortunate timing of his pit stop and then having this very rare power unit failure which we don't often see from Mercedes you know they are known for their bulletproof reliability so that was very unusual we then had Max Verstappen going off briefly towards the end very uncharacteristic mistake from Max there but let's be honest it didn't really make much of a difference he still had a huge lead um, and we'll go on to win the race another race win for him he's now got the same amount of podiums of Ayrton Senna isn't that blimmin insane and he's 25 oh my gosh it's moments like that where I sit back and I think what if I achieve with my life Max Verstappen I know he's been cutting since he literally came out of the womb but he seriously is just going to be dominating the stat books, you can tell, in the future. Also think it's worth giving a mention to Sergio Perez. I know that he probably didn't want to start from the back of the grid. Nobody ever really wants to. But it has to be said that whenever he does so, he always puts on a real masterclass and a right show for the fans. So I'm very grateful for him because there was a moment in the middle of the race where there was quite a lull. You know, things were just a bit processional. You could tell Max was going to be driving off into the sunset, probably win by like a 30 second margin. We had the action between Hamilton and Alonso, which was great to watch. But just generally, like, if things were getting a bit slow, we could always go to Sergio Perez and he was probably overtaking another car. I know that he's in an absolute rocket ship and it's kind of a given that he's going to overtake these slower cars. But anyway, I'm just saying I'm thankful for Sergio Perez. And I also have to give a shout out to both McLarens for getting in the points. Oscar Piastri gets his first points at his home race. Like, it was just, it was poetic. 
a little bit, you know? So shout out to the McLarens because I know that there are a lot of fans that are really not in a good place for how the McLarens are looking this year. So to get a double points victory, I hope that that is enough copium for you guys to last until Baku. But yeah, well done, Oscar, on your first points. The first points of many, I am sure. Right, okay then. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about these final few laps of the Australian Grand Prix. And oh my goodness, how chaotic. It's quite funny, when we started watching the race... Um, you wouldn't think that this would be the Grand Prix with the most red flags ever, would you? But here we are. So the thing that kind of kick-started it all was Kevin Magnussen. Just a few laps from the end, Kevin made a mistake and he made contact with the wall. What I find crazy is in the press release that has delivered after the race, Kevin said that he didn't even feel it happen. So it definitely wasn't something that felt big in the car, is what he said. To me, firstly, that just seems crazy because it seemed like such a big impact. But clearly it was just a case of tapping the wall. But I saw on Twitter actually this morning that part of his car flew into the crowd and cut the arm of a fan. It looked like it was part of his wheel, nothing obviously massive, but still like not great when you've got bits of debris flying into the crowd. So I don't know if that's going to be investigated. I think the fan is fine. They sought medical treatment uh, on the grounds and stuff like that, but um, not ideal. And the person that was tweeting it actually said that the guy who got the debris, and um, he was post like posing with it and the cut on his arm, apparently didn't even get to keep the debris that cut his body. Some other fan took it from him. I was like, oh, geez, that's not very nice. You think at least for going through that, you could get a little memento for yourself, but apparently not. With K-Mag now only with three wheels on his car, he parked up, and although he wasn't actually on the circuit itself, he had parked it up in an area where you had to navigate through cones if you had gone wide, for example, around that corner to make sure that you rejoin the track correctly. So he wasn't exactly out of harm's way completely, but then you've got the fact that his tyre is just on the track. And so that was obviously going to be some sort of safety car, whether that was virtual, whether that was a full safety car. There was apparently also debris on the track, which is as a result of him smashing up the rear right of his car. But uh, the FIA decided to throw a red flag. And I've broken it down to some pros and some cons. So the pros of the red flag, recover the car, clean up the debris, and especially with old tyres being used by most of the grid, they're very susceptible to punctures if there was something like that. So it's quite a dangerous scenario. But the cons of the red flag is that it does bring the race to a halt and, as we then saw, causes chaos in the final laps. However, I feel like the FIA couldn't win in this situation because if the race ends under safety car, everybody moans. I mean, literally look at last year with Ricardo when he conked out at the end of Monza and there were discussions about why wasn't it red flagged. I went on Twitter this morning to make sure I wasn't going mad and I found so many tweets from around that time of people saying the race should have been red flagged, we should have had a crazy final three lap sprint, whatever. You can't win. If you red flag a race and do a sprint, then the fans aren't happy. But if you end it under safety car, the fans aren't happy. Also, I feel like everybody has changed their tune after the final few lap sprints we had in Baku in 2021, when Max Verstappen's tyre blew out along that straight. And actually, that's a great example of why changing tyres under a red flag is important for safety. But anyway, we talk about Baku about being some of the best final laps of a race in recent memory. We had all the drama of Hamilton obviously going off, but then further down we had Charles and Pierre battling for the podium place. Alonso was fighting his way up the pack and 
that was fantastic racing and we talked about that and hailed that as some of the best racing from the 2021 season. Everybody was in favour for it, at least that's what I can remember. Personally for me, if I was put into that uncomfortable situation, I would end the race under safety car, but then I don't have access to the same data that the FIA had. I'm sorry if I did that and the fans were disappointed and wanted action, but sometimes these things can happen. It's one of the chances you take when attending a motor race. Sometimes, unfortunately, Races can't end under green flag conditions, that's the way it is, that's my take from there. But I also don't think that the FIA's decision of a red flag should be aligned with some of the interesting racing standards that the drivers displayed in those final few laps. The next topic of conversation is penalties. Let's go to penalty corner, because you know I love talking about those. I'm gonna go out there and say it, I think the Carlos Science penalty was fair because at the end of the day, he caused a shunt. And in my opinion, you can't cause something like that, even if the lap didn't end up counting, you can't just not be given a penalty for causing an incident that could have potentially affected another driver's race. Like you made the mistake, you need to pay the consequence and deal with the consequences. I would say that you can't just not give people penalties for incidents, but then that takes me nicely onto Pierre Gasly, right? Because in my opinion, that was a slam dunk penalty. I know I keep going on about penalty points and the fact that he was on 10, 10 penalty points, but Esteban was an innocent party in that. So why it was deemed that no action was necessary, I genuinely will never know. Don't get me wrong, I have my suspicions, I have my theories, and that's just the way that my cynical brain works. However, it's been clearly dealt with internally. Either way, it's a catastrophic failure for Alpine. They went away with both their cars being wiped out amongst the chaos of everything else, rather than leaving Melbourne with the sole story, which I think would probably dominate, which would be Alpine driver banned from next race. So at least this way, it was only kind of, they were a small talking point amongst a much bigger thing. Whereas if Pierre had reached these 12 penalty points, which is what I think should have happened, um, that would be for me the biggest headline coming out of the race. Pierre is very fortunate now that we have a long time to wait until Azerbaijan and then we have the Miami Grand Prix which is the Grand Prix where some of his penalty points uh, expire so if you're maybe new to penalty points or just a little bit unfamiliar with the the way they work drivers are given penalty points for things they do which are naughty and break the rules and breach the regulations and stuff like that they can vary from causing a collision which is normally two penalty points which is what I think that the Pierre and Esteban incident yesterday should have been that would have been in my opinion two points for causing a collision potentially maybe even three for rejoining the track in an unsafe manner. But uh, you can also get penalty points for smaller offences. That's how penalty points work. And then they stay on your licence, just like you would have penalty points on your licence if you were driving a normal car. But they stay on there for 12 months and then they expire. But if you get up to 12 of these points, then you get a race ban. And since the system has been introduced, which I think was in 2014, no driver has actually ever reached that ban point yet. We've had drivers that have come very close, don't get me wrong, but no driver has actually got to the point where they've reached that mark and they've been banned for it. So lots of people sort of baiting and saying, well, maybe they don't want to deal with the repercussions of actually having to ban a driver, but it's happened in F2 last year. I think two or three drivers actually reached their penalty points limit and got banned last year. So the FIA have done it in other series, but just not in the Formula One championship yet. Talking of more drivers that didn't get penalties, Logan Sargent, I don't know if you've seen the onboards of that with his incident with Nick DeVries, but that wasn't on and I don't understand why that wasn't looked into. 
too. And then to top all of this off, Haas also fancied protesting the race result afterwards because of how things were reset after the chaos of that red flag and that Nico, in all of that madness, had made his way up to P4 and then Science was there with a potential penalty, but that was thrown out. So there was no chance we were going to get a sensational Nico Hülkenberg potential podium. It was all a bit mad in the stewards' office, I imagine, after the race yesterday. And then my final point on all of this chaos, I was disappointed, but I was not surprised to see fans jumping fences and getting onto the track. Now, this isn't an attack at all on the Australian fans. I think you're awesome. I love you. I literally want to go to Australia and become an honorary Aussie. Okay, I love you guys. Wherever you go, there are always fans that let down a larger majority, whether that's the verbal abuse that fans were getting at races last year to idiots throwing flares on the track. Like a few people's actions are not representative of the 400,000 people that were there over the weekend. But in case you missed it, there is footage. Basically, fans had been seen climbing fences around the track. And as a result, the FIA have now referred the Australian Grand Prix organisers to the World Motorsport Council. In fact, on the final lap under the safety car, a few fans apparently breached the live track near turn one. And there's actually radio clips of Hamilton reporting this to Bono and saying there are fans that are getting onto the track. And so it's understood that that's why the race was immediately red flagged after the checkered flag. I just thought it was because Nico Hülkenberg had come to a stop, but apparently race fans say that that is the reason why it was immediately red flagged once everybody had passed the, the finish line. But what I find crazy about this is, so I mentioned about Hülkenberg coming to a stop. Apparently the issue that Hülkenberg had was an electrical issue and and as a result, his car was deemed as live, which is very dangerous. And you have to have correct safety equipment to deal with the car and touch the car. And that's when you see drivers like leaping out and jumping out of the car because they can't afford to touch it. Anyway, so the car is in a really dangerous position and uh, in a really bad condition. But then you've got all of these fans that were storming the track as they're allowed to do once the race is finished, but going really close to the car and getting near it. And oh my God goodness me that could have been so dangerous if one of the fans thought I'm going to touch that and they didn't have the correct equipment on them really not a very good look yeah that will be investigated further not to kind of end this on a bit of a downer but I'm amazed that situations like this haven't happened before now so I was at the British Grand Prix last year and I was super fortunate to be there watching the race from the International Paddock which is a grandstand near turn one and near the pit lane exit however at the end of the race we got up from our seats as everyone does because there's no point in sitting around and as we were making our way trying to figure out how to get back round to, to where we were staying, um, we noticed that there were these gates nearby. A clump of fans had gathered around these, these gates and we were like, what's going on there? And there were no security teams, no marshals at these gates. So they were unmanned and they were unlocked a series of fans opened them and made their way out onto the track. Obviously, the race had ended at this point, but the fact that there was just direct access onto the track and fans wanted to get on there because they wanted to run down the straight to get to the podium to watch it, as did we. But we were like, uh, this doesn't seem quite right. I'm amazed. I don't know if there was 
people there throughout the duration of the race and once the chequered flag had been waved and they maybe knew it was safe to to abandon their post maybe that's what happened but the fact that there was just this direct access onto the circuit and nobody manning it was like massively weird and suspicious for us um but like i say these fans made their way out onto the track we stayed back until we could see that a gate on the opposite side of the track had also been opened and that there was another big flow of people coming onto the circuit so we were like, oh, well, if there are this many people on track, then it must be safe. That was also the same race, don't forget, that we'd had the protesters go and try and sit on the actual circuit on the first lap of the race. But uh, anyway, I feel like security at races really needs to be brought up to another level from what just my personal experience at the British Grand Prix. I haven't actually attended any other races, so it might have just been one person's solo experience. But with the massive increase in interest in the championship I feel like those elements really need to be given a bit of an overhaul so there you go there's my very hurried and quick update of uh, the Australian Grand Prix and all the big talking points I hope that you have enjoyed it um, I was just going through some of the reviews that you guys have been leaving because I'm always here bugging you asking you to leave me a five-star review if, if you've enjoyed it um, and lots of you have done and I really love that and I appreciate it from you I'm looking on Apple Podcasts right now there are 117 ratings and almost all of them are five stars and you guys are just amazing i've got a lovely review here from emma b39 that says katie is so knowledgeable and easy to listen to this pod has such chill vibes and so much information which is really sweet thank you so much emma and then i know it's silly because it's not a five star review but my personal favorite at the moment is one um from somebody that just says it's all right <laughs> can't rave about it can't pull it down it's all right i'm like Thank you so much for taking the time to review the podcast. But anyway, things like that always crack me up. But then please don't go and leave me a load of three-star reviews and saying it's all right just because of it. Enough of me rambling on. You guys have been awesome. Thank you so much for your patience waiting for another podcast. I've got loads of really interesting and exciting podcasts that I hope you're going to enjoy between now and the Azerbaijan Grand Prix at the end of the month. There's also going to be plenty of Formula E content because I'm going to Berlin in a few weeks time. It's going to be my first time on site uh, working for the championship which is going to be super exciting so I can't wait to tell you all about that and yes that's the the end of the podcast for now thank you again for listening I never know how to end these things so I'm just going to say goodbye love you lots and I'll speak to you soon bye